Thank you for your faithfulness and giving and your generosity today. As we continue uh, the series that I began last week, we're going to continue to look at the questions of life. And last week we looked at the question of why, specifically addressing why are we here? What is our purpose? Is there value in this life? Is there a reason for us to get up in the morning? Well, today is a follow-up to that, and it addresses the question of who we are specifically in Christ. Now, as we do so, I want you to realize today that this is Adoption Awareness Month. Uh, We're talking about a physical adoption, but at the same time, we're also going to talk today about what it means to be adopted into the family of God. As this is Adoption Awareness Month, it is a time for us to realize how many young people are in need of a loving family, but it's also a time to honor those who have demonstrated such amazing love toward those in need. Often this occurs through adoption. Sometimes it may occur through uh, foster care. We actually had a family in our church in Pennsylvania that had over 90 foster children in their home. That's amazing to me. They had adopted two, but had over 90 foster children in their home. What a blessing. Uh, We actually have a family in the church right now that is considering adoption. They have begun that process, and they have asked that we as a church pray for them. Uh, Derek and Amy Pulley are in that process already, and we believe that God is going to work through them as they have such an, an amazing love for people, and they'll be able to pour that love into those children. So the first thing I want to do today is to encourage you to pray for Derek and Amy as they start this process. I believe that God anoints certain people to be able to do a ministry like that and to be able to pour into individuals and love them. And I believe that God is going to do great things through Derek and Amy as they do that. Well, today I would like for you also to hear from some of the folks here at Trinity who have benefited from adoption. In a moment, you'll see five individuals whom you see each week here at church each of whom were adopted. Maybe some of them you didn't even know they were adopted. I will tell you there are even others I could have interviewed for this, uh, but I have five of them that I, I want you to hear from this morning. I will tell you the question that I asked them was this. The fact that you were adopted, what does that mean to you? If you would, can you show the video, please? Um, when I was... When I- Adoption means to me that my parents cared enough for me to give me a second chance in life. I'm glad they gave me a second chance in life because I wouldn't be here without them if they didn't give me a second chance in life. Um, adoption to me means that I grew in my mom's heart instead of her stomach. Being adopted to me means that my parents couldn't have kids and they chose us um, to adopt us because they loved us. Um, they picked us whenever they went to Ukraine. They picked us and they chose us out of all the kids in the universe. And I, when I was adopted, I became part of a new family. And being adopted is awesome. Um, it's, it's a wonderful thing to me because um, I was taken out of what could have been a really bad situation and brought into um, a really good one. And, it's just, it's just amazing to me. It's a wonderful thing. Well, it means uh, a lot to me because my parents were looking for a, a child and um, that was me. God put me there. Uh, I, I do believe that it was part of his plan and that while we might not be actually of the same blood, we're of the same blood of Jesus, 
and it's been a blessing to be raised in a good Christian home, uh, to have great role models and great parents throughout all my life. I, I, if I would have been using my head, I would have interviewed Margie Jones as well, as she is one who was adopted, and God blessed her. You know, it's very unique to have so many individuals from a single church who have been adopted, and clearly it is an incredible blessing to know that these individuals have been specifically chosen by moms and dads who would love them and invest in them intentionally and unconditionally. While I started a series last week uh, that focused on the questions of life, last week we looked at why, today I want to look at who. Who are you based on the fact that you have been adopted into the family of Christ? The moment you receive Christ as your personal Savior, what a blessing it is to know that you are not an outsider to the family of God, but rather you are welcomed in and you become God's child. Romans 8 verses 14 to 17 says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. The moment you responded to Christ's grace, he offered you his spirit. And with that came the offer of adoption. What a blessing it is. I love the fact that I came from a loving home where my mother modeled to me what it was to be a mother. Someone who would love and care and give everything sacrificially so that her children could be taken care of. But as much as I love that fact, I also realized that once she decided she was going to have a baby, she didn't really have a choice in which baby she got. The beauty of those individuals who just shared their testimony on the video is these are individuals who were born to one family and someone else said, but I want that child in my family. They were chosen, they were selected as if this was their prized possession. What a blessing to know that God has done the same thing for you and for me. He chose us to invite us to be a part of his family. It is a great privilege. But what does that privilege include? I'll start small with the answer to that question. First, you get the name association that comes with it. In Will and Anna's case, for example, they took on the name Gore. They are now Will and Anna Gore because they have taken Troy and Debbie's name. Whether you realize it or not, it is an honor to be able to take on the name of Christ. As many of you know, my father was not a very godly man. He made poor choices with drugs and alcohol for the largest part of his life, and he never even made it into a church service with me. He did receive Christ right before his death, but nobody would, mistake it, would have mistaken him for a leader in the church. Well, there is a minister in the Wesleyan Church, and his name is Ron McClung. 
And I'm telling you, at every convention that I go to, every pastor's gathering that I go to, and often even outside of those pastor's gatherings, I have individuals who will stop me and they'll say, hey, are you related to Ron McClung? Is he your dad? And I'm not sure. I think he may even have a son named Mike. It really doesn't matter to me. I'll tell you that uh, for years... I got those questions, and my first thought is, I don't know, I sure hope he hadn't done anything wrong. I didn't know who he was. Ron McClung is actually one of the big guys in the Wesleyan Church. At one point, he was a district superintendent. He's worked at headquarters. He's written books. He's an incredible man. Uh, Eventually, when I got ready to leave Colorado, uh, he found out that I was looking for a church, and he contacted me to invite me to come to a church. The problem was there was no way I was going because he was in Minnesota, and I have no desire to go to Minnesota. Uh, But he invited me to come, and uh, of course, we got to talk, and we had a great conversation. I got to meet him not long after that in person, and one of the things that he told me was, he said, I have been watching you since you were in college. He said, I was afraid you would give me a bad name. And you know what? That's a legitimate concern because often the name association can create problems for us. If one individual by that name does not live up to the standard, it affects everybody else. You see it in various aspects of life. But the point is, as children of God, we take on the name of Christ. And I need you to understand that you now must live up to the name. It is a privilege for us to take on the name of Christ. It is a privilege to be considered a part of God's family. The truth is that I I would be very grateful to be compared to Ron McClung because of the fact that he has lived up to that standard. And sometimes I wonder, would Christ be pleased that we have taken on his name? By the way we live, have we lived in such a way that Christ would actually be pleased with who we are? This principle of name recognition, as Christians by name, we are associated with the King of Kings. We are associated with the only perfect individual to ever have walked the face of this earth. And we are to be associated with the most compelling love and grace ever offered to humanity. It is an honor to take on that name. In addition to taking on the name of Christ, we also, as those who have been adopted, have gained the privilege of being raised under the Father's blessing. This is a blessing that previously was reserved only for the Jewish people. They were known as God's chosen people, and God's blessing seemed to follow them around everywhere they went. But now, through Christ's suffering, we also have been invited into the Father's blessing. God has promised great blessing upon his children, and he's faithful to keep his promises. From an earthly standpoint, the blessing begins with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Looking back at our passage this morning, it is the Holy Spirit that is given. What does that look like? Of course, the first big event where the Holy Spirit shows up following Christ's resurrection is on the day of Pentecost. Jewish believers had come together to celebrate the Passover and to remember what Christ had done for them. And while they were there, the Holy Spirit showed up, and man, did the Holy Spirit show up. 
It was an incredible event. There were a large group of people that had gathered in an upper room and they simply were of one accord. They began to pray and to worship. And the next thing you know, the Holy Spirit shows up and tongues of fire rest upon each of the individuals that were there and they begin to speak. There is the sound of a roaring thunder and other people who weren't there for breakfast weren't there to celebrate the Passover. They heard this and they came out looking to see what was taking place. Everybody kind of gathers together and the people are in awe of what they see. As they stand there that day, God does some incredible things. The first thing we think about is them speaking in tongues. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure that's as impressive as the fact that the Holy Spirit came upon Peter. Remember Peter? Peter was the one who denied Christ three times. He said there was no way that he would ever deny Christ, yet on the night of Jesus' arrest, he would deny him three times, one time to a simple servant girl. Peter was a coward. He was afraid to even admit that he knew Jesus. His declaration, I don't even know the man. Those were the words of a coward. Yet on the day of Pentecost, where thousands of people have gathered together, the same man who cowered to one servant girl stood and boldly proclaimed that Jesus Christ was the risen Savior. That Jesus Christ had come and laid down his life because of your choices and because of others who stirred you up. I'll tell you, the move of the Holy Spirit that was there enabled individuals to do things that they never could have done on their own. should be noted that this is exactly what Jesus had told them would happen. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he tells the disciples that the Holy, Holy Spirit will come upon them. And in John 14, 12, Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. You mean they're going to do greater things just because Jesus isn't there? That doesn't make sense. They're going to do even greater things, because Jesus said when he goes, he will send his Holy Spirit to dwell among his people. And you know that those disciples, those early New Testament believers, they would change the world because the Holy Spirit showed up and did amazing things. Of course, there are other times that the Holy Spirit is given to those who would receive Christ. Like in Acts chapter 10 with the Gentiles following Peter's encounter with Cornelius. But what I want you to see is that the Spirit's presence enables God's people to accomplish things that they never could accomplish on their own. And the same is true today. What does it look like today? For some, the Holy Spirit's presence will be evident in supernatural wisdom. For others, it will be clear in a changed attitude or a renewed passion. Maybe there will be special gifts like healing or preaching or teaching, but maybe it will be, simply be God changing the way you handle one another the way you talk to the people that you care about the most. Maybe it's a marriage that will be restored or just a new mindset for an individual. All I can tell you is that the Holy Spirit's presence does change everything. Every one of us as children of God have been blessed with the Holy Spirit in our lives. What difference has it made for you? 
Another blessing that's associated with being adopted into the family of God is the gift of God's peace. So many of us carry around incredible baggage because of decisions from our past. We may still be paying the natural consequences of those actions, but know this, you can still be at peace, knowing that from a spiritual standpoint, they will never be held against us again. Imagine for a moment that before you came to Christ, you did some horrible act, took the life of another individual, maybe because of drunk driving or whatever it was, it doesn't really matter. The point is, you have this great baggage that you carry with you. And God says, I forgive you. Do you know the peace that we experience when God offers his forgiveness? To know that he'll never bring that up again. He casts our sin as far as the east is from the west. He will not bring it up again. He throws it in to the sea of his own forgetfulness. Never to be held against us again. That is an incredible kind of peace that God offers to his people. I wonder, do we know what that kind of peace is really like? Or are we still dealing with the baggage that we carry? In her book, The Power of the Blood, Mary Baxter addresses this in a discussion about Hebrews 9, verse 22, where we are told that without the blood of Jesus, there is no remission of sin. And I'll put the quotation marks around remission for a moment. This term remission is not like an individual who is seeking to overcome cancer. In that case, the individual who goes into remission realizes that it is possible for the cancer to come back. When an individual has cancer and they go into remission, they have to go back for regular checkups because there's always this possibility that this thing that is in remission will one day return. Yet in this spiritual sense of remission, the sin that has been forgiven is never to be brought back up again. And that should bring us great peace. As Jesus Christ has forgiven us of our sins, he will not come back one day and say, you know what, I know I forgave you for what you did when you were 12. But I think I need to bring it up again. It's not the way he works. When he offers remission, it is a once and for all type of remission. There's one final present day blessing that is associated with being adopted into God's family. And that is a sense of contentment. This contentment is different from merely having peace. You say, well, we've already talked about peace. What's the difference? This contentment is about the fact that in Christ, we have everything we need. When we talked about peace, we're talking about not carrying around the baggage and leaving those things behind. When we talk about contentment, we're talking about today and tomorrow. We have everything we need in Christ. Jesus said that if we would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these other things would be added unto us. This is more than a promise that God would give you everything you want. But rather, this is also a reflection of the fact that when we do seek God and his righteousness, quite often the desires of our hearts change. In other words, we no longer live for ourselves. Instead, we live to please God, and God always provides for those needs. Of course, the greatest blessing associated with being adopted into the family of God is the promise of our eternal inheritance. 
Perhaps my favorite verse regarding this eternal life is found in 1 John 5, 13. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Not so you may guess, not so you may think you might have it, but you may know that you have eternal life. Elsewhere, Paul writes, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's in Romans 10, 13. And Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, 10, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. And Jesus said in John 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. And going back again to 1 John, this time chapter 2, verse 17, we read, The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God will live forever. That is the promise that God has offered to us. Eternal life, and it is something that it is automatically given as those who are children of God. We are a part of his family. Did you know you were not made for 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 years, but you were made for eternity? Did you know that God never intended for you to spend eternity away from him? He desires your presence for all of eternity. And what a blessing that God has given us that promise. We have the promise of eternal life. As those who have been adopted into the family of God, we receive full benefits of being in the family, and that includes life in heaven. Now, there's one other thing that we need to consider about the blessing from the Father. It's not what we receive, but rather this is about taking on certain family traits. The moment you become a part of the family, you tend to repeat what you've seen. You know, if you spend enough time with someone after a while, you, you've probably spent some time with someone who they could finish your sentences. They start to think the same way that you do. They start to act the same way that you do. There are certain characteristics that we have that are just based on appearance. Uh, for example, you look at my sons. They look very much like me. Actually, even my daughter looks like me in a lot of ways. Fortunately, her hair is not as short as mine, and she doesn't grow facial hair the same way that I do. But the point is, you look at her eyes and you say, that's Pastor Mike's little girl. It's one thing to have physical traits. It's another thing to have traits within our character. You know, when, when you see the kids doing something and you think, that's Mark's son, because you can tell by the way he just said that. Sometimes that's a scary thing, isn't it? Sometimes it's a great thing. The point is, our character traits begin to rub off on each other. And the more time we spend with our family, the more likely we are that we will become like them. We'll understand that the family traits related to God are incredibly important. First, we need to know that His blessing, even though we've talked about it in such a great way, it is a conditional blessing. In a recent Bible study, we were looking at Joshua chapter 23. In that passage, Joshua is giving his farewell address to the Israelites. He knows he's probably not going to have too many more opportunities to be able to share with them. So he shares the thing that is most important to them, the most important to him. In fact, it's something he has shared repeatedly during his time leading the Israelites. And in Joshua 23 and verse 6, he says this, Be very strong. 
Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. By the way, that's almost a word-for-word repeat of what happened in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. He is saying, do not turn away from God. You keep his laws. You walk in his character. You take on his traits. He goes down in verse 14 and he says, Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. But just as all the good things the Lord God has promised you have come to you, so he will bring on you all the evil things he has threatened. Until the Lord your God has destroyed you from this good land he has given you. If you violate the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, the Lord's anger will burn against you, and you will quickly perish from the good land He is giving you. Joshua is speaking to the children of God. He is telling them God has been faithful. He has provided over and over and over again. And as you look at his blessings, he has promised even more. But he expects you to take on the family characteristics. You are to be transformed. You are to become new creations in him. You are to become a reflection of Jesus Christ in your every action, your every attitude, the every word that comes from your mouth. You are to take on the character traits of a holy God. And if you don't, here's the hard thing. What he's saying here is that if you are truly part of the family of God, you will walk the way you're supposed to. But if you choose to walk outside of the will of God, we should not expect to live inside of the blessing of God. Do you understand that? If you choose to walk outside of the will of God, you should not expect to walk inside of the blessing of God. He has no reason to bless you if you choose to walk away. Now, I will tell you this. Sometimes God is gracious and he'll bless even the ungodly. But you should not expect it. It is not something that God is required to do. I will tell you that he has offered us great blessings and we ought to be grateful for that. But he desires that we take on character traits of our spiritual father. If you want to be included in the family heritage, then you ought to live like you're a child of God. Take on the family traits of Christ. As we close this morning, I want to first of all challenge you to identify who you truly are. There is coming a day when all of us will come before our Heavenly Father. And when we do, He will either tell us to get away from him for we never knew him or he will tell us, well done, good and faithful servant, welcome into my kingdom. But you will never be good enough to become a part of the family, no matter what. Imagine for a moment that Curtis decided he wanted to be a part of my family. 
And he began to do good things to be able to help out around the house. He comes by and he cleans out my gutters. And when it snows, he comes and he shovels the snow off my driveway. You can still do that if you want. Imagine for a moment that he pours himself into our family, trying to to make the family better than what it was. Does that make him my son? No. It makes him good. Only the Father can actually invite us into the family. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ has already made it possible for us to be invited into the family of God. The invitation is there, and it's up to us to simply respond to his goodness and to his grace. If you have not responded to that grace, today is the day to respond to that grace. Some of you are sitting here today thinking, well, I hope I I make it to heaven. I recently shared with an individual, and that was their statement. I hope that I've been good enough that God will let me in. But the truth is, you'll never be good enough. But his grace is always good enough. If you would bow your head and close your eyes with me. Father, as we come before you today, we recognize that there are many people here today from various backgrounds but every one of us has been invited by you to be a part of your family. Lord, it is a privilege for us to be called your children, not just your slaves or your servants, but rather sons and daughters of the one true living God. Lord, today we say thank you for the invitation which you have extended. We also recognize today that there may be those who perhaps even today we have somehow been trying to earn our way into the family, thinking that maybe if we were good enough, then we could get in. But today, Lord, we recognize we can depend on nothing more than your grace. Lord, I pray today that you would forgive us of our sins. And I pray that from this moment forward, we would live as those who have been redeemed. But as we live as those who have been redeemed, Lord, I also pray today for the one who perhaps they have said some magic prayer somewhere along the way to ask you to forgive them. But they have not taken on the character traits of a holy God. Lord, I pray right now that you would empower us to live not defeated lives, but victorious lives. Help us to live as those who really have been redeemed. Help us to live as those who have been transformed, not doing the things that we did before, but rather living as those who have been set free to live a new life. Lord, I pray for each individual who is here right now that we would take on the character traits of our God. Change our desires. Change the thoughts within our minds. Change the habits that are there and help us to seek you and your glory as opposed to our glory. But we give you praise and we give you thanks today for the great privilege of being your children. In Christ's name we pray, amen. What a blessing it is today to be able to worship and to celebrate the Lord And I hope that you have been blessed being here this morning. Uh, I am going to ask you guys, if y'all would do me a favor and go out to the foyer, not so I can talk about you, but rather I want you guys out there so when people leave, they can shake your hands and give you hugs and let you know how grateful they are that you guys have been here. If y'all would do that first, then I'll dismiss them.
or at least head that way. The rest of you guys, thank you so much for being a part of our worship service this morning. I want to encourage each of you to come back next week. We're going to have a great time of worship. Uh, We have the uh, uh, communion will be next week as well. So we would love to have you guys as a part of that. Thank you. Go with the blessing of God, knowing that you are the children of God today.